Second Peter 3 and 9 says this, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Repentance is not a dirty word. And I want us to recognize that this morning, and we'll kind of go into the depths of this discussion in just a few minutes. I was coming from town the other day, and I was driving along the edge of the road, driving down the road, and I looked ahead, and there was a crane sitting on the shoulder of the road. I mean, a big crane. And I, was, I didn't really realize what it was there for, and I looked up, and there's a cell phone tower there. Okay, maybe not everybody's like me. I looked at Susie, and I said, how long has that cell phone tower been there? I had never seen it. I had never noticed it. It was there the whole time. But it took a crane. They were putting an antenna on top of the cell phone tower. How many of you saw that? Wayne, have you ever seen a crane go that high? It was not so much in size, but it reached to the top of that cell phone tower and they let down an antenna on top of that cell phone tower and they attached a new antenna And I've lived here for eight years. I don't remember seeing them put that cell phone tire up. But that cell phone tire has been there the whole time I've been here and I have never noticed it. Anybody been like that before? Something's been there the whole time and you've never seen it. I had a guy stop by the house. This was about 20 years ago. But he stopped by the house and he came up to my back door and he knocked on my back door and he said, Hey, mister, he said, would you like to sell that lawnmower out in your front yard? I said, I don't have a lawnmower out in my front yard. He says, yes, you do, the yellow one. I said, I don't own a yellow lawnmower. He says, yes, you do, the yellow one over on the side of your yard. I would like to buy it for parts. I said, mister, I don't have a yellow lawnmower in my front yard. He said, well, come look. And we walked around the edge of the house, and he pointed to this yellow lawnmower that was in my yard. I don't know how long that yellow lawnmower was in my yard. I remember when it broke down. It had been sitting there for two or three years. The grass had grown up around it. I had been mowing around it for two or three years. Listen, I had gotten so accustomed to a lawnmower that was sitting in my yard that wasn't supposed to be there I had been going around it. I had let it grow roots in my yard and that lawnmower should have been taken care of years ago. But it had been there so long, I didn't even notice it anymore. I had become completely and totally comfortable with something that was out of place in my yard that should have been taken care of. Are y'all beginning to see the connection? If you didn't see the connection, I needed to repent of something that I had become comfortable with and I needed to take care of business. I should have went out there and pulled that lawnmower behind the house or something, but I had become very comfortable with something that was completely and totally out of 
of place. Now, this next little illustration that I'm going to use, if Susie wasn't in Lufkin going to church with the grandkids this morning, she would say, Wayne, that's a little bit too transparent. There's a little table that sits next to my recliner, and there is a file that I set on that bottom shelf of that table. And I'm not talking about a file holder, I'm talking about a file, you know, that you sharpen things with. It's a little, it's a little flat file that sits on the bottom of that table. It's been sitting there for probably three or four years. Now, let me ask anyone in this room, are you supposed to store metal files in your living room on, the, on your side table? That's not where a file goes. It goes in a toolbox or it goes out in the shed. I want you to know that file has been there. I, I walk by that file occasionally and I go, you know what, I need to put that file up. But you need to understand, every now and then I sit in my chair and I clip my toenails. <laughs> Is that funny, Jennifer? I clip my toenails. And listen, after I clip my toenails, you know it's got a rough edge right there, and if I go to bed with my toenails unfiled, Susie won't even get close to me because I, I scratch her with my toenails. I've got a file. Listen, I've got a file that sits on that bottom table, so when I get through clipping my toenails, I'll take that file and smooth over the rough edges. I'm telling you, that file does not belong there. I've gotten comfortable with that file. I'm afraid. I'm afraid if I put that file somewhere else, when I go back to use it, it won't be there. But I recognize that file is not supposed to be there. This has everything to do with repentance. This has nothing to do about my toenails. Because you see, that is what's happened to so many people in the church today, we have gotten comfortable with a lot of things that don't belong in a Christian's life. We have gotten comfortable with the way we do a lot of things in our service to the Lord that we need to repent of. And that's why we're talking about the subject of repentance this morning. Let me just tell you the, the definition of what repentance means. Repentance is a complete reversal of one's attitude and values turning towards God. Okay, it's, it's, it's when we recognize that something is wrong and then we do something about it. I'm afraid that there's many of us, we recognize there's things in our life that shouldn't be there, but we've become so comfortable with it I want you to know I'm not going home and moving my file. It's staying in the same place even though I know it shouldn't be there. And sometimes we get comfortable in our service unto the Lord. We know, listen to this, we know we should attend more because we don't, we don't study our Bibles at home. Do you know how many times I hear people say, well, I can worship the Lord at home. Me and my family can stay at home and worship the Lord just as good as you can up at the church. Do you? 
I hear a lot of people with that excuse. I've never seen anybody tell the family, hey, it's Sunday morning, come here in the, in the living room, we're going to read our Bibles, we're going to pray, we're going to sing unto the Lord. Nobody does that. But now they'll use that as an excuse, and they're comfortable not attending. You know, we used to could say that Sunday is the day of the Lord that we have set aside to serve and worship the Lord. We are lying to ourselves. Sunday is an hour that we worship the Lord, or two hours that we worship the Lord. It never turns out to be a day. Now, let me, let me say this. Some of you... Let me apologize for saying some of you, okay? I'm not here to get on to anybody. I'm here to declare what the Word of the Lord says. He says we're to commit ourselves. He tells us in Hebrews chapter 10 and 24, it says, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. And I don't know that that's what it says, but our attendance on Sunday night is very sparse. Many times, Sunday mornings, I know the attendance has gone down. I don't, I don't know where... I don't know what the reason is. It's not for me to say. I, I'm, I'm only responsible for me. But it's been a great concern of mine. God's called me to be the shepherd. And, and we see open places in our, our sanctuary on Sunday mornings and during Sunday school. And, and God's been convicting my heart. Well, Wayne, you need to, you need to be more active. You, you, need to, you need to go and tend to the sheep more than you're attending to the sheep. And that... And, and I guess maybe that's what I'm convicted about this morning in this message. But the, the idea that repentance is a complete reversal of one's attitude, it is a changing of our mind and our decision, it's, it's, it's up here. You know, when, in the Bible we read about how uh, when Jesus came on the scene, John the Baptist was preaching this. John the Baptist was preaching. He said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In Matthew 3 and 6, he says, And they were baptized in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. It also goes on to say, and, and, uh, uh, When Jesus was doing was do, he says, Repent and of your sins and be baptized. And what he's talking about, repent, is what, what did the people have to repent of? You know, a lot of people don't understand that when Jesus called for them to repent, remember, repentance is a change of mind. Jesus was saying, listen, you need to repent of your unbelief. You do not believe, you do not understand that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Quit depending on you going to church. Quit depending upon what you're doing. Quit depending on the the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Listen, they were religious people. But Jesus told them, He says, Hey, let me see fruit of your repentance. In other words, let me see fruit of your mind changing that you no longer believe that good works get you to heaven, but that Jesus gets you to heaven. Glorify thy name in all the earth. We should be glorifying the name of the Lord, not only with our lips, but with our lives. That is where we're to be glorifying the name of the Lord. 
Some people said now, this is I've had somebody come up to me and say this. Brother Bickley, we're Baptist. I repented of my sins when I got saved. Once saved, always saved. I don't need to repent anymore. <laughs> you know, that sounds mighty good. The problem with that statement is that it's not true. That's the problem with it. Let me give you an example here of some saved people that had to come unto the Lord to repent. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 75, we see that Peter, while Jesus was at the Sadducees and the Pharisees and they were, or, or the Sanhedrin and they were questioning Him, do you remember they came out into the courtyard and said, Hey, don't you know Jesus? Oh, no, I don't know Jesus. I don't know who that guy is. Don't you know Jesus? Oh, no, I don't know Jesus. And the third time they came to Him and He says, Don't you know Jesus? And He says, No. And remember the scripture says, and the cock crew. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus which he said before the cock crows, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and he wept bitterly. Was Peter a believer? Did he believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God? That he, was, that he, he had come to seek and to save the world? Yes, he did. And you know what Peter done? He went out and he repented. He wept bitterly. He had a change. I wish I had never denied my Lord another one that we see this was a very familiar one with so many of us David David was uh, the king of Israel Uh, David had committed adultery with Bathsheba everybody knows that he killed Bathsheba's wife or uh, Bathsheba's husband by hiring someone to go to the front line and put I mean he might as well took a sword to him himself he was guilty of murder he was guilty of of adultery. Now, you know what I find very, very uh, uh, what do I find very, very thank you, Johnny. What I find very, very interesting about this the baby was born about a year old and do you know I got to thinking about this? What David had done was just like my old lawnmower sitting in the front yard. David had no idea that something was wrong in his life. He had gotten so used to that old lawnmower sitting in his yard. He had gotten so used and comfortable with the fact that he had murdered a man and that murdered man's wife was now in his bedroom. He had gotten so comfortable with that. If God had not have sent Nathan and said, Listen, you've sinned against God. (gasps) And David immediately recognized when somebody brought it to his attention, but he was so comfortable in his way of life, he didn't realize that he needed to repent. Did y'all see that? And we think, well, everything's going just fine. There's nothing in our lives that we need to repent of. I'm just wanting to bring this to the surface this morning and letting the Holy Spirit examine. I hope that you will examine your life And say, hey, I wonder if there's anything in my life that I have gotten comfortable with that I am now calling normal that God calls sin. You see what I'm saying? Another one that we find, there's a parable in Matthew 21, verses 28 and 29. I'll not read it, but this is what it says. It says, the father of the household went to one of his sons and he said, son, go and work in the field. And he says, no, daddy, I'm not going to go. So he goes to his other son. He says, son, go to the field. And he says, okay, daddy, I'll go. Well, the one that said okay didn't go. And the one that he said, no, I'm not going to go, 
The Bible said he repented and then he turned and he went. This, the representation is, here is the son, here is the father, and he is now a saved man, is repenting of his disobedience and he's turning away in his attitude and, and actions are completely different. In Luke chapter 15, it tells us another one. Uh, we, the prodigal son. The prodigal son representing being the son of the father who has everything, rebels against him and he goes to the big city and he's living his own desires. You might reference that to a Christian that is a born again child of God and now he quits serving the Lord and he begins to serve himself. This is what this parable is about. And then it says, and when he finds himself in the pig pen, the Bible says, and these are the words it uses, and he came to himself. He said, my, da- my father has everything. The servants that my father has in his house are living better than me. I will go to the father. I will go home. And you will see the mercy and the grace that the Father has. And that is what God is waiting for many, many people of the world today to come back. He is looking for them to return. The problem I see, and and listen, I can preach this message because I have been that prodigal son. I can preach this message because I have been that undercover Christian. See, we've got a lot of Christians in the world today, but the world can't tell that they're Christians because they're cloaked in the world. They're cloaked in the world. In other words, they look just like the world. We're born again believers. We have God to thank for it. We have Jesus' life on the cross to thank for it, but we are cloaked in the world and we don't stand out in the world because we talk like the world. And listen, it's become an acceptable thing today. Anybody you are around, it's an acceptable thing to curse. You know, it used to be that on the news channel, you didn't have news anchors cursing on TV. And this last week, I was just surprised on Fox News, they're cursing. I mean, what happened? Who has let down the veil? Why are they doing this? I thought they were going to be different, but they're no different than anybody else. They're cloaking themselves in the world. I, it, just, it just aggravates me when those news anchors, because I consider at one time Fox News being a Christian newscaster. And now it seems like almost every show they talk about either drinking or alcoholism or getting drunk or the problem. Hey, as soon as I get off of here, I'm going to go get me a cold one. I'll feel a whole lot better. The answer is not in alcohol. The answer is not in cursing. The answer is not in all of those things. The answer is in Jesus. That's where we're going to find the answer. But it's hard for people to find Christians because we're undercover. We're cloaked in the world. Profanity doesn't matter to anyone anymore. We have women who press, that claim to be Christians who dress provocatively. Men who claim to be Christians advertising beer commercials on their, on their shirt. Or the Bible tells us, and I don't know if we recognize this, the Bible tells us that jesting, we as Christians shouldn't be jesting. And when I mean jesting, it's, it's sexual innuendos. Wearing t-shirts that go, 
People walk by and go, <laughs> I know what that means. And we jest. We jest. We curse. We dress like the world. We talk like the world. We're undercover Christians. The Bible says we don't need to be undercover. We're peculiar. We're to come out from among them and be separate. We need to repent. That's what we need to do. We've become comfortable. And when someone hears us say something out of line, we don't think anything about it because we're so comfortable. It's normal to have a lawnmower sitting in the yard with grass growed up around it that you forgot about. But God is calling us out today and saying, listen, that's not normal for us Christians. John the Baptist put it this way to the religious leaders that came to him while he was out there baptizing people because people had repented of their sins. And listen, they just came by to gawk. That's the reason they came by. But John the Baptist said, listen, you religious leaders. Listen, you people who are claiming to be far and above everyone else that you're saying that you're teachers of. He says, let me see fruits that are generated or meant for by repentance. And I said, you know, and, and those religious leaders stood back and said, wait a minute, wait a minute. What we teach and preach is for you. It's not for us. Don't be preaching to us. But he said, listen, John the Baptist is saying, I don't see any fruit towards repentance. You're just living this religious life. I'm just coming to church. I'm just, I'm just hitting my time clock. Christianity is not supposed to affect us during the week. It's just supposed to affect us on Sunday. Listen, the Bible tells us that we're to be Christians seven days a week. Every day is a day unto the Lord. And you have to understand, I can preach this. I praise God for Alfonso Hernandez. I was 26 years old working at the paper mill and Alfonso Hernandez, I made a comment about my Sunday school class. And he came up to me and he said, you teach Sunday school? I would have never known by the way you talk and act up here at work. I'd have to throw a cuss word in every now and then in my conversation to make those guys think I was tough. I would jest at the funny jokes and I would even make them myself. And you see, Alfonso Hernandez was a sold-out, born-again believer and he didn't recognize me as a Christian. I was under cloak. I want you to know I went home that night and I repented. I was a believer, but I needed to repent. I turned back to the Lord. How will we know that we are in need of repentance? Well, for one, Nathan. If you remember the story about David... Nathan was a prophet of God. God sent Nathan and said, Hey, listen, you need to repent. This is what God has found lacking in your life. The prodigal son, I believe it was the reference there. When it says he came to himself, it was the conviction and the power of the Holy Spirit. In many of our lives, that's what happens. With Peter, if you'll look at one of the accounts, I can't remember which one, which one of the Gospels it is, it said, and when Peter denied Jesus the third time, it says he turned and looked, and listen to this, I just love this. Jesus made eye contact with Peter. 
And when he saw the one that he denied, that is when he wept bitterly and he went out and he cried because he recognized Jesus just saw what he had done and it made him want to repent. Here's another scripture. I'm not going to read the whole event, but I would love for you to go back and read it in 2 Kings chapter 22. A little boy, Joshua, uh, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. He reigned for 31 years. He was the king over Jerusalem. It came to pass when in his 18th year, so that would make him 26 years old, he said, hey, listen, guys, I want you all to go to the temple. I want you to clean it up. I want it to be like God wants it to be. Josiah was a king that served after David. He was a good king, all right? But he said, hey, look, the temple is in bad shape. I want y'all to go clean it up. Take out the stuff that's not supposed to be there. Repair the things that are that are that are unruly. He hired carpenters and masons and stuff to do the work. But he said, he said, go in there and clean everything up. Verse eight of that, he says, the high priest had gone in and they found a book of the law in the house of the Lord. They found a book. Now, just so Josiah is the king over Israel, and listen, there was a book of the law that Josiah had never read before. He had never seen before. He did not know what it said or what what he was supposed to do even as a king. But it says that the the high priest found this book and when they found it, they came and they read it to Josiah. Watch what happened. And it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the book of the law that he rent his clothes. When a person rent his clothes in day, that day, it represented that he had humbled himself and he had repented or it hurt him what he had just heard or what he had just seen. And it says he rent his clothes. Simply the reading of the Word of God in front of him caused him to repent. Do you know there's things in our lives that we may not even know displease God and we don't know that they displease God because we simply do not know what the Word of God says. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 26, it says that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. And you've seen me do this before. I mean, this is like a bar of soap. I mean, we just need to take the Word of God and we can wash ourselves We can clean ourselves. It will heal our spirit. It will sanctify our souls. If we will take the Word of God and implement them in our lives. 2 Corinthians 7 and 10 tells us, it says, Godly sorrow brings forth repentance. Godly sorrow. In other words, it's when we read God's Word and we we realize what it says and we apply it and use it as a mirror in our lives and we look at God's Word and it reflects back on us and it shows the things in our lives that we need to change, it should bring repentance into our lives. I mentioned Hebrews 10 and verse 25. I want you to know the Scripture tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Again, I mentioned that for some, an hour is all the Lord gets per week. For some, it's not even that. Some of us need to repent of the thoughts 
that we have in our minds to throw in the towel. I want you to know I have to repent of that quite often. I sometimes just, Lord, this is just too tough for me. I, here, I'm being a little too transparent again. I can make a living in the oil field. God, it would be a whole lot easier to make a living in the oil field or doing something else besides trying to shepherd people. I sometimes just want to give up and throw my hands up. And it's not because of you. Listen, it is, it is in our whole society. I want to quit. And I want you to know, I have to repent of those thoughts. Where do you think those thoughts come from? It ain't from the Lord. He's discouraged. We have an enemy out there that wants to discourage us. Repent of those thoughts. Repent of those thoughts. I'm telling you, sometimes we get comfortable in the service that we are doing for the Lord. In Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1, it says this. Let me... I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I I, I want us to consider this morning, I want us to consider what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us, and what is our reasonable service to in turn return back to Him. And if we look in our lives today, and we're not rendering back a reasonable service, it's time for us to repent. So Brother Wayne, you're saying that even a born again child of God, there are times in our lives that we need to come to repentance? Absolutely. There is. Absolutely. My prayer today is, I mentioned earlier, that today is a call of repentance. Today is a call of repentance. I'm not here to make some kind of movement toward the altar this morning. That's not at all what I'm after. My desire is for us to consider the words that God has spoken this morning about repentance, what He desires from our lives, and for us to take an inventory of our lives, and then to respond in a way that is pleasing to God. You can do that right there in your pew. You can do the right here at these altars. You can do that with individuals that maybe you need to go to and, and restore a relationship because you know that that's, that's the lawnmower in your yard. There's been a division in your relationship and you've decided that it's okay. I like it that way. I don't want to confront it. I don't want to open up this can of worms. But God is saying, hey, listen... It's time to open up the can of worms. All for forgiveness and forgive both ways. That restores relationships. That's all God wants today. So let's take this time this morning to take that inventory. Let's pray. Fathers, we come this morning and we look in Your Word. We see that Your Word speaks about repentance and the subject to repent many times. Sometimes we get very comfortable in our Christian walk and in the things that we say and do, but God, You have called us this morning. You have called to make us uncomfortable. 
God, we're not here to beat anybody up. But when we recognize what you have done for us, wow. And you're just simply asking us to serve you with what is reasonable. So God, as this message has been presented this morning, I pray that your Holy Spirit, uh, as it speaks to our hearts, that we will respond appropriately according to how you have spoken to us. Thank you again for all that you do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together and